This is the High School Football America podcast for September the 9th, 2020. I'm Jeff Fisher. The High School Football America podcast is brought to you by GameStrat, America's premier sideline instant replay system with outstanding reliability and faster speed than Huddle Sideline. Plus, GameStrat has awesome customer service along with different plans priced right for every coach's budget. And right now, GameStrat is offering discounts to High School Football America listeners, which means it is cheaper than Huddle Sideline after they get you all discounted up. Plus, GameStrat is making making it risk-free. There's still a lot of debate. Will there be a 2020 season or won't there be? But your money will not be at risk. It'll just roll into 2021, and you can't beat that. To get a demo, go to GameStrat.com or click on the GameStrat banner ad located on every page of HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com. And don't forget to mention HSFA to get your discount. All right, everybody, heading to the uh, Show Me State, the state of Missouri. A couple of weeks ago, football kicked off there on time. Well, not everywhere in Missouri, and uh, who better to uh, sort it out for us? Uh, Jim Powers, longtime friend of ours here at High School Football America, used to run the uh, sports caravan. He's been covering St. Louis high school football for a long time, knows the ins and outs of everything that's going on there, and uh, he even helped me out this morning. We uh, we posted our Missouri top ten. He said, hey, Jeff, uh, a couple of things wrong in there. You got uh, some teams playing that aren't playing this week from uh, St. Louis County, and I said, you know what, Jimmy, you're explaining this to me. I'd rather have you you come on the podcast and explain it than me trying to sort through it. Jim, welcome to the show. Hope you are safe and healthy and happy there. I'm glad you're playing football in most of the state, but what the heck is going on there? Because it's a, it's a, I'm trying to keep it clean here. It's a mess. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, really crazy. And yeah, everybody's safe. Uh, You know, everybody's staying healthy here in our household and, uh, you know, I mean, it's a crazy time, and we were hoping that we wouldn't be at this fork in the road um, in the St. Louis city and county area, uh, but we kind of hit that fork in the road earlier, uh, you know, this morning with, you know, the announcement from the county executive basically not allowing the teams to play games right now in St. Louis and Ca- St. Louis uh, County. Um and that that's not good because, you know, one of the big games that everybody was looking forward to on the schedule was, you know, your number one uh, in Missouri, DeSmet, taking on number three, CBC, and, you know, some, some re- a rematch from a couple great games from last year. Uh, DeSmet, the defending Class 6 state champs. Um, and, you know, everybody was really looking forward to that. But now we're not going to see that game. Uh, at least now, there's a chance we may see something like that in the spring. But, um, yeah, it's been really crazy. Um, teams are in the two adjoining counties to St. Louis are playing and doing it very successfully. So there's a lot of there's a lot of questions, a lot more questions than answers yeah. right now in the St. Louis area with how this thing's all been working. Talking with Jim Powers, talking Missouri high school football, and, and, and maybe let's take a couple of steps back here before we move forward because, again, you know, I, I always like having the experts on the ground there getting people to know what's happening. It, it seems to me, um, and, and there were a couple of states that kind of took the, the bull by the horns, right? Utah said from the beginning, you know, as long as everything checks out, as long as safety measures are in place, we're going on schedule. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of chit-chat out of Missouri as I was checking everything out uh, throughout the offseason 
offseason and all that. So I guess the question is this, if you guys kick off as planned, which you did, and and, and St. Louis is carved out of that at this point, how, how did that all kind of fall apart, I guess is the best way to, to, to kind of couch it all. What happened that caused the St. Louis City and the, and the county not to play football when the rest of the state is? You, you know, the numbers have gone up. The, the numbers kind of spiked a little bit towards the latter stages of July and early August. Um, you know, the first thing that I'm going to say is that the ADs and the coaches have done a tremendous job in yeah. planning and making it safe and doing all the right protocols and everything. And so everybody really thought that, you know, there was a good plan in place. Um, there is a task force that was established back in April uh, when we kind of started seeing the, the handwriting on the wall that we were going to need to figure some stuff out. We were going to need to figure it out pretty quick. So uh, this task force has done a terrific job in working through everything. Well, over the last month, the county commissioner, the county executive, has kind of, you know, the spike happened in July and early August. So he put a hold on advancing the phases. And basically since mid-August, everybody has been in what they're calling phase two to where you are limited to 20 players per practice area. Um, So say a bigger team on a football field, if you've got 20 kids and some coaches in one end zone, 20 kids and some others, other coaches in another end zone, you can get away with it. You couldn't intermix the groups. Um, and, you know, you can do your conditioning. You could do the things that you need to do to start to at least get those acclimation days in. Mm-hmm. Well, in the middle of August, the numbers were starting to slightly go down but they kept everybody in phase two. And so that kind of put everybody into a, a panic because you want, you want the kids to play. You want to do it safely and do it the right way. And I think that the coaches and the ADs have done a terrific job with that. So a couple of weeks ago, once again, still anticipating a move to the next phase to where they can at least start inter-squad scrimmages and practice, you know, full practices. And that didn't happen. And so that really started the ball rolling. And what Misha did, uh, the state association, they met in mid-August and put a game plan out there to give schools a chance, if they couldn't get their fall seasons in, that they could play in the spring. And there would be a modified schedule and different things along those lines, very similar to what Illinois is doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But you didn't have to – all the schools don't have to do it. All the sports don't have to do it. They're taking the, you know, sports-by-sport basis. And so a lot of people started kind of thinking, okay, how are we going to make this work? In St. Louis County – you have so many schools that got terrific football players. I mean, you've got the Smet team that's got probably right now 10 D1 kids. And having them play in the spring just isn't going to work. You know this as well as I do yep. and your listeners know this. If those kids are going D1, those college coaches aren't going to let them play football in the spring. Those, you know, those kids are looking to graduate early do the things that they need to do in the fall season and be ready to go to college in, in you know, in the winter, sem- the spring semester. So 
that's when the panic button started hitting, and that's when the county executive stopped listening to this task force. And then it came down to today where they made the announcement that, yeah, because of the uh, positivity rate of 15, 19-year-olds, we're not going to allow high-impact sports to play, which is football. Now, the, the biggest question that everybody is asking is, What's the data on athlete-to-athlete transmission yep. during competition or during practice? In, in our area, the number is zero. There have been zero documented cases of athlete-to-athlete transmission. And when pressed on that this morning, the county executive kind of blew off the question and <laughs> said, well, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that the numbers with 15- to 19-year-olds has gone up. And so that's kind of where we're at right now. And, um, you know, there's a lot of frustration, uh, as you can imagine. There's a lot of frustrated coaches, athletic directors, I mean, parents, um, you know, the kids. I feel bad for the kids on, on a lot of levels. And I think the first part of it is, you know, those kids that are fighting for uh, scholarship, you know, offers and getting recruited. Now there's a possibility there's going to, there's going to be no tape from them playing this year. Yep. And I know a lot of the college coaches are, you know, they, they understand the situation. They get it, and they're trying to figure it all out as well. But, you know, that's taken away opportunities from, from these student-athletes. The second part is the mental side of it. These kids have gone through so much over the last six months. It's been unbelievable. We lost our spring seasons. And now a lot of the kids are having to learn virtually. And mentally, that's tough. I mean, I know working from home for the last, you know, five months and at least being able to go into my office one or two days a week, that's kind of helped me mentally. Sure. But can you imagine a, a, a high school student that's sitting in front of a laptop for five hours learning and then there's nothing? There, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. That's going to take a toll on, you know, those kids, you know, mentally. And that's the part that I fear the most is, you know, these kids, okay, I don't have football to look forward to, or I don't have volleyball or soccer. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw in the towel. What am I, what am I doing? And I think that's the that's one of the biggest underlying fears that there is with this whole decision. Yeah, well, there's 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 a lot of things we could go into. You and I spoke offline a little bit. I've made my my thoughts known. I'm I'm just yeah. you know all of the things you hit there, Jim, are just so true. One of the things you didn't hit upon, and I, I'm sure it's like this in Missouri, but I'd like to get your take on it. And and this is the one that kind of ticks me off on top of everything else. And 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 I agree with you, by the way. Coaches, ADs, they've all done a hell of a job of keeping everything in check. And I've said this before, football is a structured game, right? We don't just go out there and throw people out. So we knew what they were going to do when the cases came up, and it's happened in every state across the country. There's not one coach out there that is going to risk a W because they're going to sneak a kid under the wall. You know, oh, he, yeah, he's got COVID, but he can go play. That's not going to happen. And that's what people are saying. Right. But, but here's what I want to ask you, and, and and get the take on what's happening there in your state of Missouri, which is by not playing football, 
and by not having full ability to put fannies in the stands and 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 raise money right because that the football is the, the the tail that wags the dog you know you can't yeah. really have soccer or you know just name the minor sports and i'm not being disparaging to them but if you don't have ticket sales and revenues and all that the other sports suffer and i don't know that that's being looked at uh in the way it should be certainly people real close to the situation but what's what's the take there on all the people you're talking to because it it is a big chunk of change that is is not available for other sports so i don't care if we are actually playing in the spring where's the money coming from no without a doubt and and, and that is a big concern uh, you know for a lot of schools um especially the smaller schools in the area that that count on you know those attendance and the, that ticket money coming in and, and sponsorships i mean you know, you, you don't have sports going on. That means you have no fans coming in and paying that $5 to get in to watch, watch a game. That means you've got sponsors that you've relied on uh, for the last, you know, couple years that you're not going to get that money from because how are those, how are those sponsors going to get their, you know, return on investment? Yep. Um, so, no, it, it, it's huge. And one of the questions that was posed to me this morning was, you know, are, are there possibility that, you know, programs could get cut and coaches could, you know, lose their jobs? Absolutely. And I don't think that's just a high school issue. And we've seen it across the country on the collegiate level um, that, you know, programs have been cut because of COVID. Uh, staff positions have been cut and different things along those lines. So I don't think anything's off the table right now uh, when it comes to that because, yeah, I mean, the days of us seeing, you know, a packed house at CBC when this, I mean, last year, CBC and DeSmith played on national TV. Yep. Had a chance to work that game. And, you know, they, they had 5,000 people shoehorned into CBC Stadium. You're just not going to see that right now. And when you do 5,000 times five, you know the number right there. Sure that do. helps possibly pay for, you know, three or four coaches and some new equipment and some different things along those lines to stay up with technology. Uh, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that, uh, not a lot of people are talking about that. I know, that's ticking me off. <laughs> yeah, the, the one thing that I, that I absolutely will say, though, is I think the parents are very willing to trade that off right now just so these kids can play Mm -hmm. just so these kids can have the opportunity to do what they love to do and that's participate in a sport or sports that you know will give them an opportunity or give them a release or keep them in shape i mean they, you know that's that's the other thing physically you know, and mentally you said it physically yeah, and mentally, absolutely yeah. with without a doubt so i think that's the biggest biggest issue is yeah i think that the fans in the stands is huge but i think mom and dad would be willing to sacrifice that to have their son or daughter be able to play high school sports and you know once again you got to look at look at it you know, a lot of these kids have not played a, a, a competition high school game since middle of March. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a lot of these football kids 
that run track in the spring, that play baseball in the spring. You know, Missouri, as well as everybody else across the country, other than Iowa, who, you know, they, they have their baseball and softball and all that in the summer anyway. Um, you know, these kids lost their spring. Now there's a chance that they're going to lose their fall, and it's probably going to happen the way everything's shaken out. Now, what are you going to do next spring? If you're going to try and shoehorn a couple fall sports into a spring schedule, and you may not be able to play baseball or run track. And so you're asking kids to make decisions. You're asking school districts to make decisions. And I don't think that's right. I think these kids get enough put on their plate to where they should not have to make those types of decisions because it's not fair to them. It's yeah. just absolutely not fair. Are you, are you seeing kids um, making the move out of the area that's not allowed to play football into some of the outlying areas? Like you said, there's counties right next door that are playing. Is that happening out there? What's, what's the take on that? Are the people kind of hunkering down, hoping and praying that officials in the St. Louis County area get their, get their act together? Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard a lot that the state association has done a great job. They got out in front of that real quick. Uh, back in the summer, um, during you know during a lot of different meetings and things along those lines, um, basically saying, "Hey, we're not greenlighting any transfers mm-hmm. um, and different things along those lines." So I don't think we're seeing a lot of that now. But could I see some of that happen in the near future? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I know the private school enrollments have gone up in the St. Louis area because. The private schools are doing hybrid learning to where the majority, I believe all of the public schools right now in St. Louis County and St. Louis City are all virtual. So I think on the educational side that there has been some movement from the public to the private schools. Not so much sure about the um, athletic side of things, but I haven't heard a whole lot as of now, but if the landscape doesn't change and we go into winter sports and we're still sitting in the same spot that we are now, I could definitely see some stuff coming down that way. Yeah, no doubt. Jim Powers is on the line talking Missouri football. Long time reporter there covering uh, sports in the St. Louis area, working for Fox and uh, does just an absolutely fantastic job. And uh, he helped me out this morning and we just thought it'd be a good way to talk about this because this is kind of uh, uh, probably out of all the, the states, the most unique, if you will, especially given the fact, I mean, here in Georgia, we've got some counties that have, you know, are kind of in and around Atlanta, but I mean, you have a major metropolitan area with a lot of talented football and a ta- talented in all sports being kind of shelved, which is absolutely incredible. Let's go back onto the field then. Um, I, I kind of threw this one out at you um, this morning when we were talking. So for those of you that don't know, um, everyone gets into the playoffs in Missouri when it comes to high school football. So I- is there st- still some hope there, even with today's announcement, that we could get to October and, and, and these teams teams in that region would still be able to compete for a for a state championship although they will be whatever six regular season games behind i guess yeah i the way the timeline shaken out once again there was no timeline given this morning and that's that's the other part of the equation that has all all the ad's and the coaches you know absolutely furious is there was no timeline given so right now we're locked into, okay, you can do 30 kids per practice with coaches, 
Um, you can do a little bit of hitting now. You can have some contact, but you can't enter squat. <laughs> say they stay with this for two weeks. That puts you at September 25. Okay, then they, they start to loosen things up and give a possibility two weeks later. Now you're looking at October 9. And now in the state of Missouri, you're looking, you're right smack dab into week eight. I don't know if it's feasible uh, because then you would have two regular season games. You're going to go against teams that have possibly played a whole nine game schedule. And the way that class six is set up in the, you know, the big school class in Missouri, there's 32 teams. Almost half of those schools are in St. Louis. That are not playing right now, so you know there's going to be a humongous disadvantage for that, and that's why the state association basically has said you need to make some determinations by next Thursday, September 17th, so that we can figure out how many teams there are that are going to play in the state championship series. And then they can do their classifications. And that's the other big part of this, too, is Misha normally does their classifications. They do it on a yearly basis, and they do those classifications right before week one starts. They still have not announced the classifications yet for any of the fall sports <laughs> because they were waiting to see what was going to shake out with, you know, obviously just not St. Louis. But with a lot of other schools around the state, if there was a major outbreak, different things along those lines. And so there's, once again, there's a lot more questions than answers as of right now. But the, the good thing for the other parts of the state is there haven't been any major outbreaks. Um, yeah, has the school lost a game here and there because they had one or two of their kids test positive and, and they've got to shut things down for a week? Absolutely. That has happened already, but that is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I remain that I remain steadfast in is COVID's not going away. We have to learn to live with it. We have to learn to educate and do everything we possibly can to make it a safe environment. St. Charles County and Jefferson County, the two counties right next to St. Louis, they've been playing since week one. They've done a terrific job. I actually went out down to Jefferson County last Friday night uh, and watched the half of football because I wanted to see with my own two eyes how they were doing it. And they're doing it the absolute right way. And so the proof is there that it can be done. Kansas City, they're doing an outstanding job. Springfield area, Columbia area, all the other areas in the state are doing a terrific job in keeping everybody safe, keeping the kids safe, the proper protocols, and different things along those lines. So the way Mish is looking at everything is as long as 50% of the schools can get through their season or at least to a point to where they've got games in, we're going to go ahead with our fall state championships. Now, say a school chooses to go to the spring, which – some of the schools in the St. Louis area have already made that decision. That decision was made, you know, four weeks ago. There's going to be a championship in the spring for those teams that are going to play spring football. But you know as well as I do, 
you look at the, the ongoing rivalry between St. Louis and Kansas City in Class Six. Um, you know, it's been it's been a roller coaster. You know, we'll be have a couple years cycle to where the Blue Springs and the Blue Springs South and the Rockhursts are are knocking it out of the park and winning state championships. Then you turn to the other side of the state, DBC, the Smacks. They're winning state championships. So now you take St. Louis County and city out of the mix for a state championship. That makes it a little, it's not truly a state championship because you're not going to play. You're not going to play a DeSmet team that is absolutely loaded and really was odds on favorite to win class six again this year. So, I mean, I think as long as there's not a major outbreak over the next two, three, four weeks, I think there will be a fall championship. But once again, how do you really show that it is a true state championship? Yeah, yeah, you don't. I mean, and who suffers the kids? And, you know, we could go on and on and on about that. Uh, yeah. Jim Powers on the line, uh, giving us a real good uh, lay of the land in, uh, in Missouri, where a lot of the state is playing high school football right now. Started on time, uh, St. Louis and St. Louis County. Uh, it's a no go and, and, and may be a no go. And, and they're, you know, that just, you know, the spring season and all that causes a whole new set of things we can talk about playing, you know, whatever it may be, April through May. Through through June, do kids ever get enough time off? Those juniors going in their senior year, if we're back to normal in twenty, I mean, I, I could go down the list. Uh, you know, the powers yeah. that be just need to to wake up. And you know, I think the biggest thing, and you said it so so eloquently. You said, you know, COVID nineteen is not going away, and what we've needed through this, and this is not a damn political statement on my side, is leadership. And when I say leadership, I'm talking about these coaches and ads that are showing it time in and time out. I just think some people ought to sit back and see what we're doing in our great sport with our great leaders and how they are doing the right things and and, and getting it done the right way and keeping kids safe at the same time. I'll get off my soapbox and I'll stay on the football field for the last question. We have have put out a ranking system that that is who's playing right now and you are an expert there in uh, not only in the St. Louis area but uh, you know the state pretty darn well so given the uh, the limited landscape with St. Louis out of it there's still still a lot of good teams out there playing whether it's your uh, your Joplin's your your web cities uh, those are probably some names that people recognize from around the country uh, who's pretty good out there right now off to a good start and, and maybe playing for that possible half a state championship or whatever we're going to call it yeah I mean you know there is some I mean there, there's great football being played in the state uh, you know one of the teams that has done extremely well um, over the past couple of years, uh, over in St. Charles County, Zumwalt North, uh, they had a big win over Howell on Friday night in an instant classic. Uh, you know, Howell's got a very good team, you know, once again this year. Uh, Brett Chinacki's done a great job as the head coach there. And, you know, the program that Joe Bacon's built up at Zumwalt North is just unbelievable. And, you know, that game that they played this past Friday night, I got a chance, I got home uh, before my uh, Fox two, uh, prep zone stuff got, you know, got a chance to watch that game and it was just unbelievable. Uh, so there's some stuff there out in Kansas city. It's the usual suspects. You know, you've got Rockhurst who, uh, is under new head coach, uh, Kerry Donahue, uh, Donahue, who was over at blue Springs for many, many years, took over for the legend in Tony Severino, uh, who I, I covered so many state championships, 
And when I knew Rockhurst was playing, just sitting down and talking to Tony on the uh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving to talk football, I learned so much from him in those 30-minute conversations than I would from anybody else because he was just unbelievable. Great guy. Um, But, you know, Joplin, Joplin started off pretty strong. Uh, Webb City, they played Joplin. And once again, in another instant classic in week one, uh, went down to the final final wire, and Joplin was able to pull off the victory against Webb. But Webb is really good once again this year. Um, you know, and then some of the smaller schools, you know, you still have the uh, Lathrop's of the world and the Lamar's of the world and different things along those lines. So there, there's some pretty doggone good football being played right now. And it's not going to surprise me uh, in any way, shape, or form you know, when we come down, hopefully with a state championship, to see a lot of the usual suspects that are going to come out and be playing, you know, the the week after Thanksgiving in the state championship. Yeah, and that's what we all hope for. Jim Powers on the line. Hey, one one question before we go away. Um, you, you talked about how good the football is in the state and getting better every year and all that. How how much has uh, Mizzou's move to the SEC helped out high school football in the state? Is there a way to quantify that right now yet? Yeah, I, I mean, I I think I think now it, it, it's paying some dividends. At first, I was really really skeptical about the move, um, you know. But I love what Coach Drinkwitz has done. Uh, one of the biggest things, and and I was pretty vocal about it, you know, under the the Barry Odom regime was I don't think I didn't think they spent enough time in the St. Louis area uh, to recruit these kids. You were seeing a lot of the St. Louis kids going to Ohio State, going to Oklahoma going out of the state when, you know, you want them to stay home in Missouri and help build that program. What Coach Strinkwitz has done, and he started the day after he was hired, he was in St. Louis talking to coaches. And he's been, you know, and that was right before COVID started. Um, But I think what he has done recruiting-wise, he's got a couple of the, the, the pretty big names from the St. Louis area that have committed. Uh, one of them is Tyler Macon from East St. Louis. Um, you know, and that kid's got a chance to be their starting quarterback next year. Uh, so that was a great get for him. Uh, some of the other St. Louis kids have, have signed on. So I think finally we're starting to see the inroads from Mizzou in the state of Missouri keeping these kids in state, keeping the border locked and doing everything they can to get those kids. So I think you're going to see a lot of improvement. Now, you know, I don't know this year if we're going to see that much, because obviously when you look at the new schedule that the SEC rolled out, when you're opening up with Alabama, then <laughs> week three, you got a road trip. You got a road trip down to Death Valley to, uh, you know, Death Valley and play LSU down in Baton Rouge. Um, you know, I don't think we were expecting any of that silliness <laughs> to take place, but I, I think Drinkwitz has done a terrific job in his first part of the recruiting cycle. I mean, everybody's got to shift and pivot and make, you know, a lot of, a lot of different new ways to recruit on the college level. Um, especially when you've got, I believe it's now 15 states in the country that have moved football. Yep to the spring you've got illinois who is, is a prime recruiting area for mizzou they're playing in the spring 
Um, so, you know, the, the landscape of that is going to change dramatically, I believe. But I think, I think now the move is going to be is good. Uh, the facility upgrades that Mizzou has made since joining the SEC are unbelievable. Uh, the south end zone at Perot Field, I had a chance last year to kind of take a quick peek in there, and it's just unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, some of the, the facility upgrades that they've made, and, and I think with the new, the new energy that Eli Drinkwitz is bringing into the recruiting side of things um, is keeping the kids in state, keeping the kids excited. And, and I, I think you're going to see some things out of Mizzou over the next three to four years. Yeah. Hey, well, you know, like you said, you lock down those borders, you get that pride going, you're in the SEC, it can mean a lot, Jim Powers. I really appreciate you taking the time. I, it, it, it was funny, while you were talking there at the end, a little weird thought came to my brain, which is the Chiefs open up the uh, the NFL season against the Texans uh, tomorrow night on Thursday night, so that's a good sign. I, I was just curious if the Rams were still in St. Louis, would they have been able to play? <laughs> Given what's going on. Just saying, that's I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, that is an outstanding question because who knows what the heck would have happened. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it is exciting. I mean, you know, Mizzou's going to kick off. Um, in a couple weeks, you know, they'll open against Alabama on a Saturday night on the 26th. Um, I know they're only allowing, I believe, 25% um, inside Pro Field. So that's going to probably equal out to about maybe 14,000 people. Um, you know, I know the Arrowhead Stadium, I think they're limiting capacity for the, um, for the NFL games for at least the time being. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean... It's very interesting to think about the what if if St. Louis still had the Rams and what the Dome would be like on the opening weekend of the NFL. And just think who pitched that question at you. Jeff Fisher. Yeah, same exactly. More. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. was expecting a Rams reference at some point in this podcast, but I wasn't sure how you were going to do it. Oh, you know, I get tired of being hit with it. Yeah, are you that guy? Yes, I, I, I've. Yeah. Uh, I, the NFL experience was so awful. I decided to run my own media company. I am not that Jeff Yeah, Fisher. exactly. I mean, you know, I, I was tired of being seven and nine. I just had to do something differently. Jim, thank, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. It's been fun. You've done a great job of laying the land here, and we'll keep up with you. Anything we can ever do for you, just always hit us up uh, so we can promote what's going on there in Missouri. So thanks for joining us. No, no problem. If you guys ever need anything, don't hesitate to give me a shout. The High School Football America podcast is brought to you by the great new app, Small Player, Big Play, an age-appropriate sports-focused social media platform that is designed to showcase and connect young athletes, parents, coaches, and their friends. Small Player, Big Play has something else that's very special. It's not just for the young athletes with all these states right now uh, limiting the amount of fans in the stands. Small Player, Big Play can help you with streaming your games to all your fans that can't get their fannies in the seats at the stadium. And the great thing about this is Small Player Big Play has a lucrative fundraising opportunity with inside the app which benefits your school and your team. You've got to check it out. Trust me. Download the Small Player Big Play app on Google Play and from the Apple App Store. That's today's High School Football America podcast, and I'm Jeff Fisher.